Hello, and welcome to the Court of Ballots podcast. I'm V, and as you may have guessed, Joker and I have something in common. We are both going through an early midlife crisis. <laughs> Joker mainly because, well, I'll get into it. I'm joined today with my co-host, Joe. Hello. And Muse. Hello. We are a comic podcast that uploads weekly. You can check the show notes for which comics we'll be covering this week and their timestamps so that you can skip over those titles if it's something you haven't read yet or aren't interested in reading. So, to start off, we'll be doing our long box, which is basically us covering comics from the Trinity titles or Justice League title. Muse uh, will also cover any stories from Marvel that she feels are pretty important this week. So, Joe, we're starting with you, oh, as man. per usual. <laughs> we have to talk about the three Jokers. Yes, Ooh. we do. This thing has been long-awaited since before I was even reading the current comic stuff. So, Jeff Johns and Jason Fabic or Fabok, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm sorry. They finally brought this thing together. was supposed to come out in March, but because of the pandemic and everything, it's finally getting released now. For those of you who were like me and knew nothing about this theory, something happened in the New 52 Forever Evil event where Batman sat in the Mobius chair, which is normally a Metron of the New Gods and knows everything that goes on in the multiverse. So Batman sits in this chair. He now has all this knowledge. The first thing he asks the Mobius chair is what is the identity of the Joker? And the Mobius chair couldn't figure it out. He said that there are currently three people on Earth going by the alias The Joker. And then that was it. That was the only thing that dropped, and then it just sat there for four years until now, when they finally got to get this story out. So people have been speculating that there are three Jokers in the universe because every time the Joker showed up in a comic, it never acted the same way. I always just wrote it off as like, oh, well, you know, it's a different writer. Mm -hmm. It's a different take. This tends to happen. And then you also have the changes of like, well, they're bringing a lot of characteristics out from pre-Flashpoint. You had that Joker in New 52 that cut his own face off and did all that weird nasty stuff in uh, mm. Death in the Family. And then all of a sudden the Joker's back in Rebirth. And it's the same one that's kind of hanging loose and acting like Jared Leto a little bit in Tom King's Batman run. And in Tinian's apparently too now. <laughs> <laughs> and now you have this one with the whole Joker war thing. So it is focusing on not just the three Jokers, but Batman, Batgirl, and Jason Todd. Because each of the three characters had very important events with the Joker. As we know, Jason Todd was killed by the Joker back in the 80s, or you could say he was killed by the fans, who was then killed by the Joker because it was a vote. <laughs> and then Batgirl was shot and paralyzed and tortured, and I want to say sexually harassed, by the Joker in The Killing Joke. Sexually harassed? She was sexually assaulted. That was the word. <laughs> she was sexually assaulted by the Joker. Yes. He made some come-ons to her. He <laughs> slapped her in the behind as he walked past on the way to the lunchroom. She was sexually assaulted <laughs> by the Joker. Well, okay, so there's some people who are like, oh, I think he raped her while he had her unconscious. I do not think that, 100% no, do not. I don't think but that But he did take all her clothes off, mm -hmm. and a lot of people would say that's assault, so... Yeah. Even if he didn't take her clothes off, he did shoot her and paralyze her. Which I think counts as assault from the get-go. Yeah. So yep. We're already in hot water, so Mr. Too. Joker. So yeah, Batman is coming back to Wayne Manor. He's all beat up. He accidentally runs over the tombstone of his parents in the Batmobile. And I want to say the Batmobile looks really cool. The whole art in this story does look really good. I would put Jason Fabic right up there with Gary Frank. It looks a bit similar to me. Gary Frank does a little bit more with the lines, though, on people's faces and stuff. But yeah, everything looks really good. The Batmobile reminds me a little bit of Michael Keaton's Batmobile from the 89 movie. That's why it looked kind of familiar and why I kind of enjoyed the design. A little bit. Or maybe mm -hmm. Val Kilmer's. Either way. So he's going to Wayne Manor. He had just gotten into a brutal fight with the Penguin. Alfred stitching him up. V, I'm sure you're going to hate this because I hated this. 
Jeff Johns is using a lot of those nine panel pages. Actually, I didn't hate it. Really? Yeah, because each panel is just packed full of action. Do you mm-hmm. see there are no talking heads in them? I mean, there are a few where it's like, getting closer, we're getting mm-hmm. closer to his face, but then there are a lot that have a lot of action occurring. Yeah. And they don't really need the... I would say in some of them. Like, a lot of them are flashbacks. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yep. it's like, yeah, 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 you know this story, so I'm going to tell you in nine panels, just give you a recap of the important images from that story. Right. So, like, it's not like they're trying to tell a dynamic story in those nine pages, necessarily, but it is dynamic Mm -hmm. in terms of the storytelling. It's just because it is a flashback, and a lot's happening, and they're trying to not overwhelm you with it. I think that's a really smart choice, because they reserve the more interesting layouts for contemporary stories, whereas these are reserved for flashbacks only. Yeah, with the flashbacks, it definitely feels like it works. Throughout, I was getting a little tired of it, though. I think they added too many, because I I did like the, we're going to show a scar, and then show where it came from, and you get so much impact from that one panel, Mm -hmm. and you know. And, like, the crane one, I can just hear him cackling. Like Without anything, you can hear the sound, you know where it's coming from, but Maybe there was a little too many, like maybe a page or two of this. I agree. There were too I think there was like what three pages of this. But I it do did feel like it bit. was cool to see like each of these specific villains. I did not think the Riddler would be using his staff to like burn Batman. Yeah. I never saw it used in that sense. But a lot of those things were really cool. And so he's getting patched up and at the same time thinking about all these different scars from the Joker. He brings up one point where you have Joker, the criminal, that is that evil type of guy, the explosions, the murder, all that stuff. At the same time, Barbara is working out at a gym, and she's on a treadmill, and she's hearing about the death of this comedian that was famous, and everybody's giving out their prayers on social media and stuff. She starts having flashbacks to the killing joke when the Joker shot her. And he was wearing a very similar shirt to this comedian. Totally was not a reference to Gabriel Iglesias. That's exactly what I was thinking Because his name was like, what? Fat Man. Oh, that's just mean. Gabriel has also gotten mistaken for being Hawaiian when he's Hispanic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, so Barbara's thinking about when she got shot and she's like feeling like the scar on her stomach as she's like showering. And then she starts thinking of Joker the comedian, who's was doing these things like just for the hell of it, just for the laughs, because it made him happy. And then you cut to Jason in a cemetery, fighting off a bunch of Joker's goons. And then he starts thinking about how Joker killed him. And you just see seven of the nine panels is a flashback of when Joker was hitting him with the crowbar. That hurts so much. It's right there. And so he's thinking of Joker the clown. So I thought it was really cool in the way that they classified him in that way. So you have the criminal, the comedian, and the clown. And it also lines up because it goes with the three murders, and the three murders Mm -hmm. had to deal with a criminal, a comedian, and a clown. Well, and they were all dressed up as Joker's red hood version of himself. I thought that was really cool. I also really enjoyed seeing Red Hood getting to work alongside Batman and Batgirl, because I feel like I've never seen that. Really? I didn't read the New 52, so I didn't see a lot of um, Red Hood and the Outlaws possibly working alongside the Bat family. I know you had that whole uh, Robin story arc where everybody wore their own little Robin outfit. Yeah. They also teamed up in um, Dark Metal when they all dressed up as Batman. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They do this a lot. (laughs) It's not much that I've I've really seen in it because I've only just read Dark Knight's Metal a couple months ago. Yeah, I think... The Red Hood Batgirl team ups typically don't happen as often because of just... They don't have that chemistry. Yeah, they don't have that chemistry as much. Mm-hmm. But now, because of the three Jokers, they have a reason to work together. Exactly. What I thought was also like kind of funny is that... So, they're leaving the first crime scene where you see these three guys dress up as a Red Hood. And they're going to escort this ambulance to the hospital because one of them actually survived and he's still filled up with this joker toxin thing 
So Batman's leading it in his Batmobile, Batgirl's following in her motorcycle, and they're talking to each other on the communicators. And Batman's like, does your dad know that you're Batgirl? She's like, no, why? Because he gave me a disapproving look. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, he just looks that way. <laughs> it's like, you're not wrong, though. <laughs> All the time for you? <laughs> I'm sure Gordon's, like, not the happiest of, like, oh, okay, more children that Batman's leading into danger. By all means. And it's a young woman. Well, I mean, like, he's he's known that Batgirl's been involved with Batman mm-hmm. for forever, and it's funny that Batman would be like, he doesn't usually look at me like that. Yeah, and she's like, he always looks at me like that. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> That's just his face. <laughs> but it's probably because he thinks of Barbara, because it's like, mm-hmm. what if that was her? If you were my daughter, I wouldn't be letting you do this. <laughs> I mean, but this is late in the game. This isn't like a flashback to when they started. This is now, after everything. It's like, sir, if you haven't gotten used to it by now, I don't know when you are. I think it's time to retire, Gordo. How many times has this woman saved you because she's just more competent than most of your cops? (laughs) So, like, with the whole Batgirl thing, because, again, like, I didn't really read the New 52 and Rebirth thing. So they kept the fact that she got shot by the Joker. But... I'm guessing she went through, like, a rehabilitation thing. They did this thing, and it was kind of amazing, because not only did it completely restore her legs to her through probably some magic, but a lot of technology. Um, And some minor (laughs) rehabilitation through therapy. It also, like, reversed her age by about 10 or 20 years. She turned into this very childish young adult... But she kept all of her skills as Oracle. She kept her degrees. She's like super intelligent, knows everything about engineering and hacking. I think she was going back for either more education or to to teach or something. But she was like doing the sex in the city life as like a young woman. And I'm like, dude, you can't just keep (laughs) all of that and the years of trauma and being Oracle and everyone's dead mother and being like, now I'm just out of my teens and I'm ready to party and like they had her fighting all these like tweeny Disney Channel villains it was nuts so I'm glad to see she looks a little older here at least she's every employer's dream is what you're saying she's a 20 year old with 20 plus years of experience I mean (laughs) surgery in this world is amazing okay I don't know why she was paralyzed for so long that's interesting I did not know that I still don't know what to think of it But either way, so they're going to the hospital. In the ambulance, you have Jason disguised as one of the EMTs. And so he's interrogating this guy, trying to get all the answers out from him. Very poorly. (laughs) Enough so that he ends up causing the ambulance to swerve into the Batmobile. Batman and hops on. He's red eyed. What are you doing? It's so stupid, too, because he's like, what does it look like? I'm getting information. He's like, excuse me, if you raise this man's heart rate, he will die. He's like, well, you know what? Maybe he should. Because (laughs) I heard that Joker got these guys out of Halfway House. Yep. And uh, he's a criminal. So um, who cares if I interrogate him to death? He's like, (laughs) Red Hood, can you just listen to yourself for like five seconds? (laughs) Jason just needs to take a chill pill. How can you have that much rage all the time? Like, how can you keep that level of... Lazarus pit. I was killed. <laughs> it's like, even Raish. Raish probably has some weird, like, meditative techniques that he has learned and is used for, like, hundreds of years. Literally, the Hulk doesn't rage as much <laughs> as Red Hood. Red Hood walks into a bar and goes, I was dead. Like, he needs to calm down. Like, I get that that's the theme of his whole being in this comic. But, like, we walk into him doing that to some rando people in a graveyard. He's just, like, beating people up. And he's just got so much rage. And he's like, yeah, that was fun. I love beating people up. Takes off. Gets into an ambulance. Honestly, that first view of him, like, I thought he was a bad guy. They're like, okay, we got a guy. And all we see is this guy's back, this, this EMT. And he's like load him up and close the door and you're like oh no it's a joker and it turns out it's freaking the way they colored him 
I saw the arms. I'm like, oh my god, that's a Joker because his arms were super pale. Yep. So that's, that was my first thought of that. I'm like, oh, I've seen this shtick before. Like the cartoon, I've done this plenty of times already. <laughs> yep. Oh. They end up all like checking off their notes because Batman's like, we all have a hand in this. We should all work together. So they end up going to the Gotham Aquarium that's been closed for a while. Jason's riding with Batman in the Batmobile. He's giving him all his notes. And I do like Bruce because actually congratulating Jason to avoid anything else. Jason's like, did you ever change the seats in here? Because I swear, it's like you don't want anybody to be sitting in this car but you. <laughs> and he just looks at him like... He's like, stop projecting, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to say, like, I'm glad you figured it out. Or mm-hmm. he'd, say, he'd say something edgy, but he'd say just like, ah, that's just you, Jason. You're, you're always like this. <laughs> projecting you silly goose i want you here i will say like the dialogue between the characters in this are really great and i i really loved watching that just even them walking into the aquarium and each of them have like a different memory of this aquarium like oh my dad used to take me here as a kid oh i broke in here once what about you bruce did you it's like my parents built it (laughs) of course they did every nice thing in gotham is mine 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 and then you get, like, the new ridiculous bat gadget, which I'm surprised didn't come out of a Tinian book. <laughs> and it's the, the chess bat light, as Jason calls it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get a look at the fish, and you see the similar smiling piranhas. And, and then, out of nowhere, you get... The freaking shark! I died. It did look really creepy, but isn't there a reason why we can't have big sharks in aquariums? Especially great whites? Yes, it's because the water in those tanks don't circulate as much as the ocean, so they They end up dying in captivity. So that was silly of them. He joker talks and did, so it's not got much long to live regardless, so... (laughs) Well, I'm wondering if they're they're implying that the Gotham Aquarium has been keeping a shark this whole time. (laughs) I... Doubt it. I will say also, because, like, I'm looking at that shark, I'm like, the anatomy of the way that the face looks on this shark is all off in terms of, like, how it's smiling. But then I also remembered how, like, a really good point that Jeff Johns wrote in it when Batman was inspecting the three men dressed up as a red hood is saying, like, their jaws broke because of the toxin to form, like, these crooked smiles. So you can't even get a dental record to see who these people are. Is that how dental records work? Is it based on your gums? No, it's <laughs> it's your the, teeth. The bite of your teeth. It's your actual teeth. If it messes with your jaw, like it's mostly messing with your mandibles. It's not messing with your actual jaw. So you can still like, get a sure dental you can record. Still make a cast. Hi, took of their bi- teeth. Uh, biological anthropology. You can still get a <laughs> dental record if your mandible is screwed to heck because you still have your actual teeth. Mm-hmm. It's not changing your actual like teeth structure unless it is and they just didn't explain it properly i don't know because they said it changed the jaw so we have two fact checkers in here who've already found two flaws in the story (laughs) i just kind of threw it away as like comic science well that's what i figured too like i thought it was a cool tidbit to add like this joker toxin does more than just make you insane yeah like it also like physically distorts you yeah so anyway they're going through the aquarium you run into a couple Joker goons, which include none other than Joker's favorite court jester, Gaggy the Clown. So Gaggy the Clown, as I'm sure you all know, has been in so many different Batman titles. And by so many, I mean like six. <laughs> he first showed up in 1966, and then he reappeared again in 1986, where his origin was that he was part of Haley's Circus before the Flying Graysons came in. And then they kicked him out, he joined a freak show, and then he was willing to work for the Joker for money. And then he showed up in Gotham City Sirens issues 4, 5, and 6. That fight, um, I don't remember much of it, except uh, they kept shooting the glass. Jason used it to his (laughs) advantage, and there went Gaggy the Clown. Eaten by the shark. And I do love how, like, I called Batman it, it and great. Batgirl just look at him like, Jason! <laughs> <laughs> I also like how they're cleaning up loose ends. Like, haha, no more gaggy. I know. Everyone, he's dead. <laughs> look at him go. Like, 
goodness, you really just closed the book on that one. I feel like there, that's going to be a theme with this story, especially mm-hmm. as we go on. So, yeah, so this clown joker shows up. He's using a lot of classic gimmicks, like mm-hmm. the razor-sharp throwing cards. The, he, the acid bashes, flower. he bashes them on the head with a fishbowl that had the piranhas in him. <laughs> Made a stupid joke. And, yeah, the acid flower, like you were saying. So Batman t- says to tie him up, watch him. He's going to go check out this other thing. And... The Joker starts talking to Batgirl and Jason, and he's like, search my pockets, they're loaded, and they're both saying, like, you know, like, it's been a while since the Joker's used anything like this, and Jason even says, like, he even looks different, like, it's not like we've seen him recently. Joker goes into this dialogue where he's like, you know, I'm the one that killed you, and he starts going into how everything played out, and he starts to twist it, saying, like, I wanted you to live. I left you alive on purpose. And then, what were your last words to me? He's like, I'll do anything you want. Just let me go. I'll be your Robin. And Jason cracks. And Uh, I felt that. And then also the continuation with that, saying like, you've taken my moniker when you came back. You became Red Hood. What do you do? You break Batman's code. You kill. So you have become my Robin. And I'm like, Jason! <laughs> All this so intense stuff. And Ouch. Batgirl's like trying to get him to not shoot the Joker because immediately he has his gun out. He just blow his brains out. And that was so freaking intense for me. And sure enough, he shoots the Joker. It wasn't without the attempt of like Batgirl trying to get him to stop. One of these attempts was jumping in but going for a, a backwards kick instead of just shoving him out of the way which I felt was a little questionable before throwing the batarang to try and deflect yeah. the gun. And he calls her out and is, well, you didn't stop me. And she's like, yes, I did. And it's like, um, have you ever missed Barbara? And there's a batarang just in the wall because she wanted it to happen. And it was kind of mm-hmm. like, my hands are tied. Oh no, I stopped him. Don't look at me, Batman. No, I think she was pretty upset because he made her complicit and she didn't want to be that person. Mm -hmm. Because I think she's bought into the Batman mythos, which is once you kill, you are a killer. Yeah. And so even though Batman, you know, he's been really forgiving of people who were former killers, he holds himself to a really high standard. And I think Babs has always been trying to match that standard. And so to be complicit in the murder of the Joker, who she has shown remarkable restraint with, considering her past yeah she's been very level-headed she hates him but she's found the help she needs she knows who she wants to be whereas Mm -hmm. i think jason never got that help and he's still kind of traumatized and then he's just like yeah geez i hope that was the right one (laughs) like jason (laughs) (laughs) but that's so jason when it comes to everything because in a lot of more recent comics he still has the rage deep-seated but he was able to cope and deal with it. And really the outlaws a lot of the times have kept him on the straight and narrow. Mm. And he tried to follow Batman's code more. But then other times because of Jason's past, even as Robin, he was always very violent. And plus too, whenever the Joker comes up, like Jason's immediately has this tunnel vision of like, Mm -hmm. I need to get back at him. And you see that even when they're trying to tie the Joker up, he's kicking his body while he's down. <laughs> yeah, he got a few body shots, and mm-hmm. I was like, get it, Jason. <laughs> like, oh, stop being mean to the man who killed you. Like, I've always felt like every time he sees him, he deserves to get a few groin shots. Oh, in. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's why I really love that in uh, Tom Taylor's Deceased Unkillables, where not only does he beat up the Joker's dead body, but he attaches it to the front of the Batmobile. You liked that? That was so over the top. I was like, what the hell? Retribution! Cartoonish. Everyone treats him like a one-note stereotype, except for, I think, the outlaws, who, like, tried to give him some dimensionality. (laughs) But, like, in this, he's the cardboard Jason we know and love. It's angsty with good hair. It's the one that... <laughs> there were so many panels in this where it just looks like Dick in Jason's clothes. That's why I liked a lot of <laughs> versions of him where he has the white part yeah. of his hair on the forelock. Because it, it makes him stand out to Dick. But, like, if you do put him next to Dick, no, he's broader shouldered yeah, and he's a little like, taller. Mm-hmm. But when you look at their face, you're like, which one's <laughs> which? 
Well, if you get confused, just be like, did they take a, a one panel of just his butt? No, it's Jason. Yeah. Though there were a decent amount of butt shots, and little butt shots in this with Jason. You're right. Yeah. I, my bad. I actually Bloods did notice. Thighs. He's like walking past the Joker who's sitting down. <laughs> no Gillamart shots. No. Yes, no. Thank you. But yes, uh, so, Joe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is your story. So what would you rate it? Honestly, I wasn't completely blown away by it. The scenes where you actually see, like, these three Jokers together, like, it's cool to see how different they look. The criminal Joker, if you want to call him that, the structure of his face reminded me a little bit of Heath Ledger. Mm -hmm, but and mm -hmm. then the comedian one looks just, like, right out of Killing Joker. Oh, yeah, totally. But I also feel that the criminal Joker, based off of the little bit of dialogue that we got, I was, there's a bit more of a cruelness to him. Mm-hmm. Even though, yes, the 90s animation Joker could be campy at times, I, I really could hear it in um, Mark Hamill's voice. Like, this, uh, for some reason, mm -hmm. he looked like Heath Ledger, but talked like Mark Hamill. I yes. I don't know. <laughs> Even, like, a lot of the, um, the dialogue right in the beginning of their meeting where the clown is coming through the door and a comedian answers, and they're just having that back-and-forth dialogue about the shirts. Mm -hmm. Like, I just hear that in Mark Hamill's voice, yeah. and I feel like I've seen something similar to that scene in either Justice League or Batman Animated where you have two of the same person just having these back and forth dialogues. I don't know. The way I see this story going is book two, either the comedian or the criminal is going to die and the last one standing is going to be the only Joker left. And that's going to be like the canon Joker from now on. That's the way I see that going. But again, this is a black label, so it's out of continuity until DC decides to bring it into continuity. Right. I really like the art. I do like the dialogue of it, everything. I gave it like a 7 out of 10 because mm -hmm. it is good enough that I'm interested in it. I laugh at a couple of the bits. I want to see what's going to happen next. Yeah, I, I did feel a little bit disappointed that they didn't have the death in the family joker. I thought they were going to explain that whole the missing face yeah. joker. But instead we get the three trauma jokers. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it's like, oh, okay, so we're just helping Babs and, and Jason work through some stuff. <laughs> I guess that's fair. Pretty much. No matter what, I feel like another joker is going to die. Like, that was definitely like the clown right. joker that died from Jason. So mm -hmm. Jason will most likely get his redemption from that. And he will possibly be able to move on. Yep. I also feel like Killing Joke Joker, the one that Babs is going to encounter, it's going to be different than Jason, her confrontation with him. Mm -hmm. Kind of similar. There's probably going to be more yelling and just she is going to be very obvious with her pain mm -hmm. and try and like talk about it to him. And he's just, of course, going to subvert it all. And either she is going to do it or Jason's no. going to be like, for your sake, I'm just going to end it. <laughs> Jason gets to kill them all. He's a greedy boy. <laughs> this is Jason's <laughs> fantasy. She might also kill him in just at an accident. That's what I was thinking. Like, it's kind of that situation of like, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. Yeah. I like the Muse version. I like the idea of like Jason waking up at the end of book three and be like, oh, oh no, it was all a dream. <laughs> He just goes on this rampage and gets every Joker. But you see that sometimes in like stories where one character has dealing with the villain, and the villain's just constantly monologuing to the, the the hero, and the hero just trying to get through to them or try to get them to see reason or remorse. And then you usually have that one character that just doesn't give a shit mm. and wants to help their friend and be like, "You're not gonna do it." I'm going to do it. Or someone wholly different that's just going to come in and be like, snipe. And just well, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, Jason would be that in that situation. Because yep. you, you do also have that character that will just come out of freaking nowhere and just blow their brains out. And it's like, that's it. I don't think that she's going to try to talk the Joker down because no one in their right mind would do that. I think mm -hmm. the Joker's going to make her choose. I think her father's going to be held captive. Again. And hopefully, this time, there will be no nudity and ball gags. Because <laughs> the, all of the people in all that BDSM gear, for no reason, the tunnel of love, the oh, fact God. that he was able to get posters made of her 
in less than two hours, which blew my mind at the time because I'm like, there's no Kinko's that will produce that fast. I don't know who he's hiring. So you gotta it wasn't get even that like developed. today where you can like just Insta add it to the cloud and then have it pop up <laughs> on your billboard. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, I'm look- I'm looking forward to it. It's definitely feels like something new, and mm-hmm. I think GJ is kind of hitting his <laughs> renaissance. Yep. So. I was talking today with someone about how the Riddler and the Joker are not the same Mm -hmm. and how the Joker just kind of feels stuck to me and that, you know, he, he's hit a crossroads, you know, you have to either evolve or you're just doing the same old thing, same old thing. Right. So he's supposed to be doing something new in Batman with the Joker war, but it really just feels like he's doing the same old thing, but on a bigger scale. It doesn't feel big for Joker. It seems more like an event for Batman. I mean, is it, though? Like, what's new for Batman? I guess because he's never had his money stolen. Like, he's had his money stolen. His money is stolen. His tech stolen. Um, his entire city is in complete and utter chaos. Um, he's had all those, like, separate, but I don't think mm-hmm. he's had them all together at once. Well, but whatever, because Tom Keane had Bane take over his home and his family. Okay, fair enough. At least, at least he has his family now, more or less. But yeah, so um, I was going to talk about Detective Comics, uh, 1026, Peter Tomasi, Kenneth Rockefeller. Uh, it's about... <laughs> oh my gosh. It's basically, you know, you know that group? in the X-Men that, like, hang out the Morlocks. In the yeah, so he basically <laughs> creates the Morlocks in Gotham in the sewers, and he's like, my family of mutants! <laughs> and it's like, that's cool. Good for you, Killer Croc. And uh, Killer Croc's a nice guy now, and Batman said his name, and now they're buddies. I'm glad you had a comic reference for it. I was thinking Ninja Turtles. It was very Ninja Turtles, too, because yeah. his mutants... They fell into the sewer. <laughs> One of them is literally a turtle man. All of them are animal people now. And it's the Joker's fault somehow. The Joker's toxin, sometimes it makes you crazy. Sometimes it turns you into a raccoon woman. It's it's really mysterious. Tomasi wraps things up real fast. Yeah. There was a fight. There was a handshake. Killer Croc let himself be put in a jail cell that looks like a zoo cell, which was sort of insensitive of Batman, but he put them all in little cells and <laughs> he's going to work on curing them. So that was nice. I was a little sad because the Detective Comics tie-ins are just one-shots, essentially. They don't have a cohesive little narrative together mm-hmm. because the first one, 1025, was great with Batwoman. Yeah. And you're like, well, he already cut it off at the end with that one. She was like, I'm going to go do my thing and you do yours. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, what are they going to do with the next issue? Killer Croc! Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> is this going to get brought back up in Detective afterwards? Like, is that maybe his way of... I, I doubt it. Knowing Tomasi and his respect for the I, uh, <laughs> Batman IP, unfortunately, he's not going to care. Yeah, it didn't fit. It didn't fit in with any timeline. And it kind of took away from the arc that Tinian's doing. It was just such a simple gag of, like, Killer Croc, like, this needs to stop. He's like, okay, it'll stop if you can fight me and win. (laughs) He's like, all right. And then that was it. Deal's a deal. It kind of cut away, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because he, like, where does he get this hammer made out of, like, random scraps of metal? That's the rubble from the sewer. How, like, I understand Batman is supposed to be, like, peak human condition, but you would still struggle carrying that thing. That piece of rebarb right there, that will easily be the minimum 50 pounds. And you want to add, like, pieces of concrete on top of that? And you're going to swing <laughs> that like a mallet? Well, it's this has been the week of plot holes. When I say I was going to review Detective Comics, like, that's all there is. It's nothing mm-hmm. to review, basically. Yeah. There's n- nothing much to say about it. It's another repetitive, like, Monsi just quickly sums up this story arc. It felt like a four-page comic to me. Mm. Yeah. And it's such a pity because I was really excited to see what was going to happen. Yeah. I don't know why I thought, like, in a thing called Detective Comics, I would get to see Batwoman mm-hmm. do something. Because <laughs> I liked his version of Batwoman a lot. And there is something very touching about the way Killer Croc has reformed himself mm-hmm. with his Morlocks. But yes. Yep. 
they were kidnapping people to make more Morlocks, which was no-no, so Batman had to mm-hmm. step in. It was sort of annoying. I did appreciate the reference to Gotham City Monsters, though, from Steve Orlando. Because that thing was only six issues long, and that's why Killer Croc was in the place he was. Mm-hmm. But I was confused, because last we saw Croc, he was in the cool room with the Penguin, yeah. and Firefly, and Professor Pig, oh. and Batman. Well, apparently, I can't, I can't remember... Who, what comic had someone getting in a cab and then there was a mysterious woman and I was like, mm, that's Catwoman because they put like an asterisk and they're like, see Catwoman. So I'm like, maybe we'll get an explanation of why some of these mm. villains have escaped the cool room in Catwoman. I don't know. I'm getting really annoyed. Honestly, if you're going to fix the continuity with some really convoluted plot, you should make sure you're not making more continuity errors in the process. Yeah. Also, can I just want to say this. So mm-hmm. I love the Batwoman one. It was great. It was well-written. I love the dialogue, and the story was really cool. However, where does this fit? Because right now in Batman, Batman is still hopped up on Joker juice. Like, True. Yeah, it doesn't fit. It might fit later, but he's right now hallucinating on uh, Ivy stuff. So we have three more issues of Joker War with Batman. Maybe it fits in the middle. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but... That was another reason why I was like, these are just little one shots. At least Red Hood, they actually tried to get it to fit. Like, mm-hmm. thank yeah. you. I don't know how these guys communicate, but they really need some sort of like Zoom meeting every week or something. They need a Discord chat, really, where they can just like put together some kind of Bible for the event. Mm-hmm. I do want to just briefly touch on Tinian's and Jorge Jimenez's latest Batman, which is, I think, Batman 97? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Batman 97. I just want to catch you guys up because remember last time Batman was all hopped up on Joker Juice, he was in a confrontation with him in that old theater, Mm -hmm. and there were all these people that had died because he couldn't save them. The Joker killed them. So Joker pulled them all out, filled them with his zombie juice, and now they're all um, coming after Batman, so... Just the highlights, little flashback to the clown hunter in the sewers. He somehow off screen managed to break through the bulletproof <laughs> uh, Batmobile that the mm-hmm. villains are now driving. Really upsetting punchline because everyone's afraid of the narrows now because this kid runs it and he kills people. Batman escapes from the Joker's people. <laughs> Also, because I remember with the, the zombified people were like, how does this work? Apparently, he's controlling them through nanites because Batman yes, got in the yes. middle and used an EMP and they went, mm-hmm. technology is magic. Yeah. <sighs> oh, well. <laughs> so, <laughs> Tinian's getting wordier and wordier. He's really uh, patting himself on the back here. I will say the Joker is really grating on my nerves. He's wearing... God. Uh. Menace does love the bulge. I'll just say that. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm not the only one who saw that. Also, the second time they show him in, like, full body, there's a speech bubble right by it. He pulled a Gilliam March. (laughs) Oh, I don't want to see that. And then the next page, I keep reading dialogue. I'm like, I did not want to see that at all. (laughs) I wasn't trying to look, and then there it is. You don't appreciate <laughs> Joker's pouch? No. Wow. You don't want to see the boxing glove? <laughs> you don't want to see his secret tricks? Um, <laughs> Jorge Jimenez really does love to draw sexy men. And I think it's because he's a sexy man and he just draws himself in the mirror all the time. And he's like, all men look like me. Yep. He does this Joker like that, which is just so weird to me because Joker as a sex icon is... A problem for me. I don't. Yeah, no. I don't approve. So that was painful. I hated it. Just all I wanted to mention. Um, Harley Quinn in this is an absolute delight. Yeah. Also, her voice is good. Like she doesn't yeah. over speak. She's just genuinely funny. Everything mm-hmm. she says is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I do love that partnership that's forming between Harley and Batman. I called like, it. This is the buddy cop thing. I love their dynamic. It is very much reminded me of Sean Gordon Murphy's um, Batman White Knight Mm. with their dynamic in that as well. She is a little more serious in that one compared to Tinian's, but still. like I felt totally invested in the story just from that because I really don't care what, pardon me, fuckboy Joker does with his spare time. I really (laughs) don't. Like... 
oh great, he's causing more chaos. Could someone just put him away for good? I'm with Jason here. I'm tired of him. We also saw a teaser of, I think, issue 99 or issue 100, where you see like all like the rest of the Bat family all standing together. And you also see Harley in the background. So nice. do you think we are going to officially have Harley as Bat family anti-hero, like on that same tier as Jason? Mm, no, I think she's a tertiary member. Like a lot of the rogues become like, in, it's kind of like how Riddler is one of the sirens, but not really. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. everybody kind of has that. Like the rogues are just that way. Mm-hmm. That's just how right. they be. They all sort of know Batman on like a very personal level because that's just the guy he is. Mm-hmm. He's always for rehabilitation, giving second chances, helping people be better. He's never like, throw him away. <laughs> like, I don't want to see him anymore. Not like me with Joker. Where he's just like, <laughs> there's always... But I don't even think he has that hope for Joker. I think it's just a stubbornness. It's like, he wants me to break and I won't break at this mm-hmm. point. Well, I agree with B. I don't think she's going to be like main family. I think she's mm-hmm. going to be like Bat Fam adjacent. Like Huntresses, where it's like, Mm-hmm. They still work together, but she's got her own agenda. She's doing her own right. thing, but she is still technically a Gotham anti-hero kind of character. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of where Harley's now going to fit into. So with Tomasi's uh, Detective Comics, I'm going to say it's like at a, a 6 out of 10. You know, mm-hmm. it was a serviceable story. It had nothing to do with what we're talking about right now, sir. So like put that back and use that later. He just wants to do a flavor of the week with each of the rogues, I feel like. Yeah. He's really annoying me. So with <laughs> Batman, it's like a 9 out of 10, you know? I was going to say, like, passionate enough to bring it up from last week's. I want us to keep on it because things are moving pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like baby steps if you just sum it up because, like, Joker's being Joker. Um, they're going to go kill Clown Hunter. forgot to mention that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool just to know what's going on in this Joker war because this is the central story tying all of these tertiary stories together in Batgirl, Nightwing, Red Hood, Catwoman, all these people that are like tied to this in some way. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I just wanted us to keep abreast of that. I think it's more interesting than what's going on in Detective Comics for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's just where we are with the Jokers. Lots of Jokers, lots of things happening. Well, um, Muse, <laughs> to switch track here, All right. do you want to talk about X-Factor number two? Yes, let's hop into the Marvel world. Um, I am <laughs> not going to be covering an Empire title because for the past two weeks we haven't had a main Empire title come out. They've just been the extra stuff, they've been the tie-ins. And at this point, I don't want to like throw you into one of the tie-in stories because most of them have wrapped up at this point or are starting to wrap up. I think the only other ones that we still have is Captain Marvel and Fantastic Four. That's it. All the Mm -hmm. Empire-specific ones are pretty much done, except the Aftermath and Fallout. So, But I'm going to cover a X-Men title. It has been a while. It's a new one. Mm -hmm. I know I briefly kind of stated my opinions on X-Factor Issue 1 a couple weeks ago when it came out. It is written by Leah Williams, and the artist is David Baldian. If I butcher names, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm probably going to butcher a name in this story as well, because French. So the first issue, just a quick summary. Jean-Claude, he had his twin telepathy thing with his sister and noticed that he was like, she's dead. So he goes and runs to the Council of Five, the people in charge of resurrecting the mutants, and says, hey, my sister's dead. And they're like, well, we have a giant backlog of people, aka everyone worshipping at the foot of the tree, asking for us to bring a loved one back, but we don't have proof. Like, they, they technically need proof for, like, a certain amount of time for them to declare a mutant essentially dead so they can resurrect it. They go into more depth about this in House and Powers of X. Okay. You could probably skip most of the actual comic bits and just read the little Hickman interludes. Um, and I think they do explain their rules for resurrection. I just remember Egg. Yeah. And it still haunts me to this day. I not, that was like one of our earlier episodes. And I still think about that once in a while. You're welcome. But, so 
they're not being rude. They're like, we, we can't because we don't have proof. If you can bring us back proof mm -hmm. through his looking for his sister, he runs into Polaris, who's like, hey, buddy, I used to be an X Factor member before. I got some people that might be able to help. So they kind of go and they recruit Dakin, iBoy, Rachel Summers, Prodigy, and if I'm missing anyone, if I miss anyone, I'm so feels so bad. Um, these are mutants that people either don't use very often or have mischaracterized for years. Um, they make fun of it even with, I'm just going to make this an interesting mention, but Polaris, the end of the comic, uh, Magneto's like, I don't approve of this, blah, 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 and she's like, what would you say is like my defining characteristic or something? And he just can't answer. And she's like, exactly. And she goes off. So that was their way of saying like, we're going to focus on characters that just haven't been fleshed out as mutants, mm -hmm. but are still important characters. And we want to give them a better rap because a lot of them don't That's have cool. good rap. So they use their mutant abilities, find out where her dead body is. They <laughs> literally drops her sopping wet dead body because her body went off the cliff into the ocean in front of them and said, is that proof enough? And they're like, Yes, but you didn't have to throw it in her face. But thank you. And so, of course, it ends with that. The X-Factor group gets together because the council's like, we have multiple backlog of cases of mutants that are potentially dead and we don't know it. Make X-Factor. So they do. And so this is their first case. So it starts out with a mysterious hooded figure carrying a box and wearing headphones, which might be a clue into who they are. I don't really know who. They drop off this bloody package at the front steps of the Boneyard, which is the headquarters of X-Factor that Polaris made by having a weird connection with Krakoa and giant metal tower just shot out of the ground. Is this some infinite crisis? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close. But uh, so we get this beautifully sweet reunion between Bobier twins. So that's Aurora and Star, And they fly up in the air and they hug each other. They find it, this, this bloody package. They drop it to the ground and Rachel's werewolf thing starts to like eat at it. And they start to kind of, like, interrogate this poor girl, being like, did you see anyone drop this off, blah, 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 and, and she's like, I was dead this morning. I'm, in a sense, about two hours old. Please use your inside voices. And this is how most of the dialogue is. I will say I enjoy the dialogue between characters, the witty banter back and forth. Dakin insults Prodigy, and he's like, are you just a nerd? And he's like, well, are you just a sex-crazed maniac? Yes. Yes, I am. And he just... <laughs> lives up to it you're like oh my gosh um so they find these shoes with a bunch of weird symbols on it and prodigy is like a cipher he knows a lot because he's like a conglomeration of multiple people that have come together because of mind related stuff he uses his mutant abilities to track down the origins of the symbols on the shoes to the mojo verse which i know next to nothing about except the guy who rules oh, thank it God. um i think it's an alternate <laughs> universe I will take your word for whatever you say it is. It could be a, the back of a Denny's at 3 a.m. <laughs> it's basically that, but on a cosmic <laughs> scale. Yeah, it really is. It's like the, the cesspool of anything. Okay. Um, but they have a Krakoan gate to it. They might have some portals to these other dimensions that the Marvel Universe has had connections with in the past. So that might be why. But yeah, we get the Mojoverse. We get some awesome team uniforms and they're really sleek and they're really cool and they all are color coded. So they're not wearing the ugly yellow oh, black okay. thing that most mutant teams wear. Mm -hmm. and so they're being Power Rangers. They're being more Power Rangers. Saying. The colors match kind of like who they are personally. Like North Stars, he's got the black and the white. Um, Rachel's got red. I think Prodigy is the only one who's actually in the yellow. And they don't all look the same. They have stylistic differences between them as well. Um, one thing I just really didn't like about the Mojoverse and just how the story progressed is some of the stuff with it was really confusing. I mentioned when we skimmed over issue one, the writing was really fast paced. Like there was so much crammed into one issue and I felt like it could have been at least two issues, maybe three to get this. If your entire reason for selecting these underrated mutants is to flesh them out more, Give them more time to do stuff. Don't just run into it super quickly and get it done in an issue. So that really fast-paced writing is hindering all of this stuff that's coming at you. And you're just like, wait, whoa, hold on. What? 
Um, apparently getting into the city, you have to have audience approval through Mojoverse's TV conglomerate called Headshot TV. Okay. It's stupid. They have to be put in front of a stream, and I have to admit that that page was really funny. It was split up between- I knew you would like that. It was- (laughs) but it was- it wasn't just, like, the comments were hilarious- um, there was also like emojis at the bottom, but the how, how the characters reacted to the situation was probably my favorite because North Star is just sitting there like really just done with life. And Dakin's like, you want me to take it off? And you're just like, Dakin, no. And because of that, he doesn't get in the city. So you're like, okay, funny things. Ha ha. Um, I, apparently I boy just didn't have to do anything. They're just like, oh, cute. He's covered in eyeballs and immediately got in. And you're like, Okay. And they do talk like that Tumblr way. Yeah. Of like, I was just gonna say, baby it boy. Just like Tumblr. It just oh, like... look at him. <laughs> I mean, some of them are like somehow knowledgeable because this is a world of TV addicts. Yes. Like all of them are addicted to social media and TV, and like oh. that's always kind of mm-hmm. been the mojo critique. Reality TV on speed. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's just in their own personal like, reality show, and all of them get through except Dakin. John Paul says, a fair moan ability, and you couldn't even manage to charm a few horny shut-ins. Pathetic. The lead-up into it was weird, because he said something that made it sound like, oh, that was a sign for something, and you're like, did he purposely do that? I'm also really confused. He's like this really sexy man, he's like, you want to see the rest of my tattoo? He starts to undress. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, that's gonna bump views, but people are like, no, SOS! Yeah! Put those back on! Like, that doesn't sound like... Twitter or Tumblr to me. But it was so funny because it was like <laughs> some of the things were super opposite. Like that one was just like, no, we don't want to see this. But like, I boy, like usually people are like, he's the dumbest mutant ever. Everyone's like, oh, look at him. Immediate approval. You just threw him in like baby category. I think that's why. Like he, he follows under like Tumblr's love of just unlovable characters. <laughs> 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 like no one loves this point. character he's mine now i have adopted him and that was kind of how the mojoverse did with iboy but yeah you, you don't just need approval by the crazed fans watching on headshot tv you also need a sponsor oh it got really obnoxious at that point because one of like the security guard people kept like telling them that they need a sponsor bloody bloody blada press one and prodigy's like where's one oh Oh no. Then of course, the big man himself, the ugliest thing in Marvel, Mojo shows up and is like, I'll sponsor them. His entire bottom half is covered in these metallic things and his big bulbous body sits on top of it. Polaris just like picks the man up and flips him upside down and starts to like kind of essentially torture him. It was like, give us the information we want. And you're like, wow, your diplomacy skills suck. Like, can't you be, hey, we're looking for a missing mutant. If you have any information, please let us know. Or tell us how we can get the information. Don't just throw the main man upside down and threaten to kill him. Because, of course, the guards come. They take him out. They find out, apparently, something to do with one of the top five sponsors is located in this domed building. Polaris and Northstar go and fly to it, and there's some force field. They fall down. They get into fight with locals. I don't know who these guys are. We then cut back to Aurora, who is watching all of this because they got the Mojo TV at home, so she's entertaining herself, which I find kind of hilarious. And Kyle shows up, who's Northstar's husband, which I'm very happy because this confirms that non-mutant spouses are actually allowed on Krakoa. But that means, like, rip kitty pride because she can't even go through the gates, but Kyle probably can. (laughs) None of it makes sense. But that's X-Factor. Had some of the same issues I had with the first one, but I do, like, some of the characterizations and the conversations between characters. I found it charming, but I would like a bit more from this and it's not really giving it to me i'm gonna hold on until arc one's done and then i'll fully accept what's going on but the main reason i picked this up was because i was like "Ooh, investigation team i like detective things or teams doing effect investigation stuff like that's my whole thing i like that and these are some characters that i enjoy and i did feel are underrated 
Too bad they all have to share the same brain cell. Yeah. <laughs> there's no Sherlock Holmes in this team. No. If they solve the mystery, it'll be by accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they seem to have divided up. There's a steroid users. There's the rando comic relief. That's like three of them, it seems like. Yeah. And then there's the brain. I mean, not the mm-hmm. brain, but like, I guess Rachel's kind of a little bit more methodical in her approach than the others. Except she took out just the entire thing of guard. She was like, and done. But well, she had to because those idiots ruined everything. She true. has to go clean up their mess. You gotta utilize your telepaths. That's all I gotta say. Mm-hmm. If you got a telepath on your team, you milk that for all it's worth. Yeah, because I was expecting Dakin to be more of like the comic relief guy. Like the guy that's just gonna be like, so what if I'm sexy? I know I am. And but it can be done in a comedic way. You don't have to make him be an asshole all the time. Maybe they'll get there. They're still yeah. sort of feeling each other out. And then iBoy's the poor child that's like, wait for me, guys! <laughs> Trip! Even his sleeves go down to, like, his knees. Yeah, no. Like, you, you've got some people with incredible powers that could easily help with the detective work, but you don't have to run gung-ho straight in unless it's necessary. Your detective agency... You're not the Are regular they? ex. Yeah, they're investigation. Well, they're acting a lot like the new mutants. They sort of seem that way. First started out as kind of like a, a team that was sponsored by like a um, like a conglomerate, and then when Richter, Shatterstar, a couple of others that I'm completely forgetting, they made it more into like a detective agency kind of thing. They were in like investigations, and then the third incarnation, which didn't last very long, and of course had Polaris in it. And it kind of went back to that, like, conglomerate-sponsored group. And now they've gone back to being, like, the investigation group. So they're, of course, investigating lost mutants or mutant deaths. And I love the concept. I like the characters. The execution's a little rocky right now and could easily fall into the pit. And I Mm. hope it doesn't. Do you have a rating? I feel it was worse than the first one. I'm gonna have to actually give this, like, Wow. Wow. I really That's probably the lowest rating you've ever given a Marvel title. Yeah, I really didn't like this that much. Just like really looking at it. I swear I've lost brain cells. <laughs> so they're just a waste. We can't have wasted brain cells. I I get you. It also could be the fact that I don't know too much about the universe, but and then this kind of similar to Excalibur, there's a lot of like confusion over the other world that I'm just like it brings it down for me. Okay. But cool. well, hopefully it picks up for you. All right. Well, I think that pretty much sums up our faves. <laughs> I keep looking at your last note, Muse, where it just says, Mojo is all caps, but ugly. ugly. He's but fucking <laughs> ugly, yeah. <laughs> so back into, like, the DC realm. Joe, could you tell us what DC Comics came out this week? Sure. We had Action Comics 1024. We had Wonder Comics Amethyst number 5. Batgirl 48, Batman Beyond 46. Batman Superman number 11, The Sandman Universe, Books of Magic 22, The Flash 760, Sandman Universe again, John Constantine Hellblazer number 9, Justice League Dark 25, Black Label The Last God number 8, Legion of Superheroes number 8, and this was the issue where Bendis put on like basically all of DC's artists to illustrate like one page each out of this whole like 20 page comic. I don't know anything else other than that, aside from Dustin Wen did the variant cover for this, and it looked really good. I'm still not going to buy it or read it, but <laughs> that came out. You also had two other Black Label titles, Plunge Number 6 and The Question, The Deaths of Vic Sage Number 4. You also had Red Hood Outlaw Number 48, Suicide Squad Number 8, Teen Titans Annual Number 2, and Wonder Woman 761. Nice. I actually liked Red Hood. Really? Mm-hmm. So you recommend people check it out who are doing Joker War? Yes. If you want to read a good tie-in, I would suggest that. They might be bringing up something plot-relevant in that later. But you will, of course, have to have prior knowledge of Nightwing stuff. So Wasn't this the only Red Hood tie-in? Mm-hmm. Just one issue. Okay. And it was right. pretty solid. So if you're trying to catch up through Red Hood, you only have to buy one. It's a good deal. So Muse... Mm-hmm. What Marvel things came out this week? Right, so we have Arrow number 10, 
The Amazing Spider-Man number 47, Daredevil Annual number 1, Empire Avengers number 3, Empire Captain America number 3, Fantastic Four Antithesis number 1, Ghost Spider number 10, Hellions number 3, Iron Man 2020 number 6, Spider-Man Noir number 3, Star Wars Dr. Aphra number 3, X-Men number 11, which was interesting. It was a bit of a weird standalone tie-in to Empire. We also have X-Men God Loves Man Kills Extended Cut number 2, 2020 Force Works number 3, and 2020 I Wolverine number 2. Nice. We ran a little late on this one, so we're going to be very quick on the second part. This is the time we do our comic news, and we'll be giving you any new information involving comic books, movies, and television shows. Joe, you had some news. Yeah, so I was going to talk about fandom, but we are short on time, so we will just be recording a giant fandom thing at a later date. If you are a DC fan, you do know a lot of the major highlights that came out of the fandom. So, Clayman teased a book that I know V has been anticipating possibly dreading for a while all he did was post a picture of batman with a black and red color scheme all over it says bat and cat is in production (laughs) no it's not it turns out the tom king bat cat story is coming out after no No, i thought it was getting canceled (laughs) it is canceled Tom Keen's canceled. Heck, sure, I'll throw Clayman under the bus. You're canceled too for participating in this. I try not to drag the artist down, but no. I was <laughs> gonna give him a one up for just making fun of the Bat Cat thing, but Tom King makes fun of himself all the time every time he sketches his Batman and has his Batman crying and saying he's depressed. It's like if you know what your problem is, why wouldn't you fix it? Tell that to Bendis, too, while you're at it. No, he's doing this out of spite. Bendis has just lost his privileges at this point. I don't know how he even got his privileges to begin with. They should have saw the aftermath of Marvel. I'm not getting into it. So, other other news. There's this event coming out for DC Comics, The Endless Winter. This information I just got from Bleeding Cool. There was a bunch of advertisements in all the DC Comics that came out this Mm -hmm. week. It teases Wonder Woman and Batman in these winter get-ups. I've never heard of it before, but apparently Endless Winter is a recurring Justice League character who first appeared back in 1940 in the action comics when ultra-humanite brain swapped with the actor known as Dolores Winters. After one of the crisis, whether it's the 1985 one or the 2000 one, she became the girlfriend of Lex Luthor (laughs) and... Lex had attempted to kill her, believing that she was still possessed by the ultra-humanite, but she was eventually saved by Superman. That is Recently, what? I was gonna say that isn't even, like, the main thing about her. Like, okay, so the whole thing about Endless Winter and the reason why she's called Endless Winter is because she's sort of an egomaniac about her face, right? She's, like, a gorgeous actress. Her brain gets taken out by the ultra-humanite, and she gets rescued by this scientist who's in love with her. He takes her brain, he puts it in a suicide victim. The suicide victim was ugly, though. So she's horribly uncomfortable in this body. She does, like, five million surgeries, but she's aging, right? So she had a daughter early on that she gave up for adoption. She finds the daughter, she kills the daughter, basically throws that brain out, puts her brain in the daughter's body, and then that ages... So she basically flays Ice Maiden alive, who is a Justice League member, takes her skin and puts it on herself, which none of the science makes sense, but like I said, comics. So she gets kind of Ice Maiden's look, right? She's icy. And then she calls herself Endless Winter. She becomes like a spa owner and she teams up with Roulette. Anyone who dies in Roulette's horrible fight ring gets their body parts donated to her, who she uses on her clients to give them meta-human abilities. If you can imagine making an event out of this person based on ice, I I just can't see it. I know that Bleeding Cool is trying to promote it like, we think it might be Endless Winter. I don't think so. Well, that's what the actual advertisements in the comics Mm -hmm. are calling. Yeah, it's called Endless Winter. 
but it's not probably that endless winter because it's a literal endless winter which means like maybe a nuclear winter type thing or maybe you know how like uh superman was trying to mess with the sun was he eating it in deceased no he was dying because he was infected with the virus and so he threw himself to the sun huh i don't know but the fact that superman isn't there that it's just wonder woman batman makes me think this is his fault somehow (laughs) this is his fault that's my theory i completely disagree with this bleeding cool article (laughs) i'll take whatever because i know nothing about endless winter before this article and even after this article but yeah that's all i got cool all right um sorry if i hijacked that i thought that would be a longer discussion that's okay i had nothing to comment on that i mean like maybe if we'd had time to think of it we might have had like really bizarre off the wall theories about why something might be endless winter or it could be literal endless winter and not the character we don't know that's what i'm thinking if they're in snow gear yeah Because there's so many different characters with different names, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like Drowned Earth, but with snow and ice instead. (laughs) Right, okay, see, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, um, so next week's DC Comics. Joe, do you want to tell us what those are? Sure. Next week we are getting Batman 98, the printed version of Batman the Adventures Continue number 4, Deceased, Dead Planet, number three. Sandman Universe, The Dreaming, Waking Hours, number two. Also getting Justice League, number 52. You're getting Tom Taylor and Derek Robertson's Black Label, Hellblazer, Rise and Fall, number one. You're also getting Shazam, number 14. And then Black Label, Strange Adventures, number five. And Muse, what Marvel comics are coming out next week? All right, we have The Amazing Spider-Man Annual 21, the simile edition. Uh, Avengers of the Wasteland number five, Black Widow number one, Cable number four, Empire number six, which is the last official Empire title, but there's still two aftermath titles after this. We have Fantastic Four 23, also a tie-in for Empire. We have Guardians of the Galaxy number six, Hawkeye Freefall number six, Marvel Tales Captain Britain number one, Marvel Zombies Resurrection number one, Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 18, New Mutants number 12, Ravencroft number 4, Swordmaster number 10, and Wolverine number 5. Nice. Alright guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Court of Valets podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, all at Court of Owlets, one word. Let us know which comics you want us to cover next week, and make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you may listen to your podcasts. Be on the lookout next week where we discuss our summer reading. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.